Wasn't that a wonderful pageant? <laughs> it's so nice. So nice to see their faces and hear their voices. When we were planning this service, um, there was a consideration that maybe I wouldn't preach because we were having the, the pageant. And I said, but this is my last Sunday before my sabbatical. I have to preach. Um, I didn't really say it in that voice, but I felt it that way. So you do get to hear me, for better or worse, um, today. I love the incarnation. I think you do too. That's why you're here. It is significant. It is so significant in our life of faith. Indeed, that's the big deal about Christianity, is the incarnation of God in Jesus. And it is hugely significant to us as the Episcopal Church. When I talk to people who are coming from different denominations, I emphasize the emphasis we have on the incarnation. We value the fact that God values humanity. And that's why we speak up on a lot of social justice issues the uncomfortable matters that infect or influence our lives, whether it be on dismantling racism and white supremacy and anti-black bias, or whether it be in fighting for rights for LGBTQ people, or whether it be considering um, gender issues or healthcare matters or voting, all of that kind of stuff, it's because we realize again and again, they're people and God values people. It doesn't mean that all of our efforts are perfect, but our priority is people's humanity. This is stated very clearly in the baptismal covenant. And I think it's one thing that I hear people value again and again about the Episcopal Church, the way we talk about it. One of the commitments in the baptismal covenant is will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? And we answer collectively what? Exactly. Oh my, we do desire to seek and serve Christ in all persons. And loving your neighbor as yourself is where the rubber of faith hits the road of faith. Jesus demonstrated this with his life. He valued humanity of every person he met. He did not disregard them because they were a sinner or because they weren't a Jew or whatever their issue was. He was an acceptor of all persons. And when he got angry, it was when people used their faith to justify exclusion. God loves humanity. And we know that God values humanity because God came among us, Emmanuel, even going so far as to be born of a woman, reliant on humanity for his life. It's God's value of humanity which roots my own commitment and joy in ministry with teenagers specifically. You might know or you might not know that one of my tasks during my sabbatical is to complete my doctorate of ministry degree, which is focused specifically on ministry with young people in the local congregation. I won't defend my doctorate until May, but I need to finish the piece that I'm trying to defend. And so that's what I'll be dedicating January to for sure. I've realized that this has been my life work, how God is incarnate in teenagers, people between the ages of 13 and 25, in their very teenagerness. It's in the very particulars of their biological changes and the questions which emerge from this time in life in which God is incarnate. It's their passion, their prophetic voice, how it is that God calls us, the church, into the world in relationship with them, 
and how we move from thoughts to practices of our faith as we relate to them. They're not interested in ideas, they're interested in what we do. This may seem scandalous to some, and indeed the incarnation is scandalous to some, and yet it's a core tenet of our faith that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the whole world might be saved through him. We may be able to conceive of our salvation in an individual perspective, but what about bringing it out into a bigger picture? The one that you might recall from scripture that says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. How do we as a church allow God's salvation to be made known for the whole world? The church is however people know it. People don't know the church as we think about it in our heads. They can only know it in how they see us demonstrate it as the body of Christ. I have been told by people that they felt like they could come into church because they saw our signs out front. And it was Matthew, our seminarian, that said he had heard the same thing. And one of his friends said, how else am I going to know what goes on in there except for the sign out front? How else would they know what goes on in here? Would they know it through meeting us? Would they know it through our engagement with them in the world? When I consider ministry with the congregation, what it means to lead a group of people, I return again to the incarnation. The longer I serve in ministry, and I will be marking 20 years as a priest this upcoming January 6th, the longer I serve in ministry, the more deeply and convincingly I know that the incarnation is where it's all at. It's the incarnation that brings us into an awareness of where God is in the world and how we are invited to be a part of it. We are so socialized to individualism in this country that we can forget the corporate nature of our faith. It's as if there isn't even a category in our heads for it. We think that even our faith is something that we should be able to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps with. We think even in our life of faith that we should be self-made. But God and God's infinite wisdom made it so that we need each other. We actually need each other. God made our connections with each other, which relies not on our own making. So even in our absence or lack of consciousness, it still remains true. In other words, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, our connectedness is real. The Apostle Paul's metaphor of the body of Christ was divinely inspired, I'm sure, because it gives us a playful and familiar way to recognize how what one does is related to the other. None of us stands alone. You may know that my sabbatical is going to be 12 weeks long. It begins the day after Christmas. The word sabbatical is, as you might imagine, from the same origin as the word Sabbath, a time of rest. Sabbath keeping is something I've been practicing for these 20 years. For Fridays, for 24 hours, I let God run the church without me. This is so important for me to do so that I can remember who I am and whose I am. It's too tempting in this world to think of ourselves as what we do. And indeed, when it's something good, like caring for people or responding to a pastoral need or, or giving some consideration of a sermon or even reading a theological treatise, you can think, well, I probably should do this. But 
God invites me to lay it all down. That's the invitation at, on, my, on a sabbatical. It challenges the assumptions of this world, which say to me and to you, you're only secure if people feel like they can't live without you. Really? I ask. That's not what Jesus says. The world says, you know that you're important if you feel, and other feel, others feel, like you're the only one. And I say, really? That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says that I'm a beloved child of God. Jesus says that my value is not found in my accomplishments or in people's measure of me. Jesus says that I've been called to serve and lead this congregation and that it'll help me to do that to the best of my abilities. Jesus says that my main focus is to be on loving the congregation and that he'll show me how to do that in real time because, Jesus says, he is working through all of us together to bring about the salvation of us all. Jesus says, St. Stephen's is my church, Whitney. Not the parishioners, not yours, it's mine. And so you are going to get to know that during my sabbatical too. During this sabbatical time, you're going to get to see that the church is not mine. And the church is not yours, it's God's. This is what you will discover in new and marvelous ways as I drop out of the responsibilities I hold here. And so this sabbatical becomes a time of renewal for you too. The vestry is taking up the following spiritual commitments as a way of understanding and engaging this time of Sabbath. And I've created a devotional to assist them, which we will make available to you as well. Their focus will be on rest, on reflection, on refreshment, on restoration, to reimagine, and to retreat. Now this might lead you to think, oh my gosh, who's going to be doing anything around here? I can assure you that the beauty of the incarnation is that, as someone said to me once, God comes to us disguised as our lives. Isn't that lovely and generous of God? We don't have to go marching off into some high mountain to find God. We don't have to pretend we're not human in order to know God. God comes into the very fabric of our lives. God came among us. And so it's in the activity that we begin to remember that. That God came among us in Royal David City, in a little town of Bethlehem. He came among us and relied on the milk of a human to be raised to strength, entrusting himself to the care of humanity. God rested in a manger because there was no crib for a bed. The stable lamp was lighted to show the way. And he came not to condemn us, but that the whole world might be saved through him. And that's why we sing joy to the world. That's why we go and tell it on the mountain. That's why we sing out Gloria in excelsis Deo. As we are separated from one another for 12 weeks, as we journey through Christmas, Epiphany, and even the start of Lent without being in each other's lives, let us remember that we remain connected through Christ. And it is through Christ that God is doing a new thing in all of us with the commitment to bring us all together again. So you all and me, through our daily activities, get to rest in God. We get to reflect on God's presence in our lives. We get to be refreshed by the steadfastness of God's love for us. 
We get to be restored to a right understanding of our relationship in Christ with one another. We get to reimagine what God might be doing with us and through us as the body of Christ, the church known as St. Stephen's. We get to retreat from the world's assumption and our own assumption of the lifeless dimensions of the institutional church. We are given new life in the incarnation. We walk the way of salvation as we follow Jesus together. Christ was born to save, my friends. Christ was born to save. Amen. <laughs>